0: Welcome, everyone. so good to have all of you at all of our churches and all of you that are joining us online. We are honored that you would take some time to join us this weekend. And uh, we are really excited about this series that we're beginning called Anything But Average because of the season that we're in. I just really feel like that this is gonna be one of the most important series that we've ever done. And for hopefully for some of you, it's gonna be a life-changing three weeks of growing to experience together. For some of you, I think these next three weeks are gonna kind of confirm to you what you think God has been telling you to do with your life and in your life. And then for some of you, I think it's going to just encourage you to keep going in the direction that you're going in spite of all the difficulties and all the obstacles and maybe even all the disappointments that you're feeling right now in your life. But for some of you, I think it's just going to give you the encouragement that you need to get back into the game and make a difference with your life for the kingdom of God. Now today what we want to do is we want to introduce you to a question that is going to drive our conversation for the next three weeks. And I'm just going to warn you that this question, it is very dangerous and it is a very disturbing question. In fact, this question is probably going to shatter your status quo in the life that you have right now. It's going to cost you something, and it probably, when you hear the question, it's going to leave you confused, wondering, what do I do with this question? Now here's the thing. This is a question that when you hear it, it's not a question you need to act on immediately. Matter of fact, we don't want you to do anything with this question this week except to pray about it and think about it. That's what we want you to do. That's going to be kind of your big application on this question this week. In fact, you may not even know how to answer this question for a while. We may even finish this three-week sermon series before you ever find out or figure out the answer to this question through a process of prayer that we're going to give you in the last week of this discussion. But here's the thing. You need to ask this question anyway. Because as disturbing and as dangerous as this question is, it is equally as powerful. See, this question, what it can do, it can lead you to a deeper sense of purpose in your life than you've ever felt before in your life. This is a question that, By changing you as you ask this question and you begin to discover the answer to this question, what will happen is it will not only change you, but it could change the lives of many people around you, maybe dozens of people, maybe hundreds of people. See, there's a lot that rides on the answer to this question. But before I give you the question... I'm going to share with you one of my favorite stories out of Scripture today. It comes out of Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. So if you want to follow along there. Uh, You can go in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. So this man is named Nehemiah that we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to talk about how how his story becomes pivotal to the history of the nation of Israel and their relationship with God. And then we're going to talk about how the story is very applicable to us as well in our lives. Now, just to kind of give you a little background, so God had chosen Israel as his people through whom he was going to come and he was going to reveal himself to the world. But here's the thing, the nation of Israel, they just had this really hard time committing to and being cooperative with what God wanted to do through them as a people or as a nation. So what would happen is they would be fully committed for a while and then they would drift away from God. They would be fully committed for a while and then drift away from God. And so God had told him, he says, listen, if you remain faithful to me, then I will be your God and I will protect you. But he said, but if you don't remain faithful to me, then what you're doing is you're choosing to move out here on your own and you're going to lose my provision and my protection. Well, they abandoned God. And so what happened is they were conquered by a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian empire, they overthrew Jerusalem around 605 B.C. And what they did is when they overthrew Jerusalem, they took the best and the brightest of the Israelite young men, they took them back to Babylon, which became known, and this is very important, it became known as the Jewish Exile. And the Jewish exile, it lasted for 70 years. Keep that number in your head, for 70 years. So during this time, the Jewish people, they lived together in Babylon under Babylonian rule until 539 B.C. And then came along a guy by the name of Cyrus the Great, And Cyrus the Great, he ruled the Persian Empire and they conquered the Babylonian Empire. So now he's the chief guy. And so after a few years, after he came to power, he decided, okay, these Jewish people have been exiled from their land for almost 70 years or more than that at that point in time. I'm going to allow some of them to go back to Babylon to return or back to uh, Jerusalem to return to their homeland. He says, I'm going to let them leave Babylon and go back to Jerusalem to their homeland. So some of the Jewish people, they head back to rebuild their city, and some of the Jewish people, they stay in Babylon. Now, don't miss this. Ninety more years pass. And now, King Artaxerxes, who is ruler of Persia, he is in charge, and during his reign, so you add 70 and 90 Think about how many years that is, 160 years that the Israelites have experienced some kind of oppression from some other kind of leader. And it's during this season that the, at the end of this 160 years that Nehemiah, he steps on, on to the pages of history. Now, during his time, he starts journaling what's taking place in his life, and he journals All these thoughts and all these processes that he's gone through. And his journal has been preserved throughout all these years. And it is now part of our Bible. We call it the book of Nehemiah. So what we're going to do is we're going to go together through the very first chapter of Nehemiah. And then after we go through the chapter, I'm going to give you the question that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. Now, you got to understand, while all these words and times and dates and people may not make a lot of sense to you, they're very important because what this shows us is this is not some kind of fairy tale. This is not make-believe. This is actual history. And the citadel of Susa, it really was kind of like the capital city of the Persian Empire. Now, with that thought in mind, let's move on. Hananiah, one of my brothers, he came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem because Nehemiah understands how long a period this has all been. Now, here's the thing. We don't know if Nehemiah had ever been to Jerusalem or Judea, but or Judah. But in spite of that, what's happening in Jerusalem is not impacting him. And we're going to see why in just a moment. In fact, he was very busy in his career at this point in time. I mean, Nehemiah had risen to the top. And we're going to see how high he had risen in just a moment. But Nehemiah, with all his power, with all his honor, with all his prestige, Nehemiah, he slows down long enough to say, how are things back in Jerusalem? And this is important. Because see, if you're not aware, you can never care. So Nehemiah, he paused, and they give him this report. Here's what they said. Those who survived the exile and are back in the providence are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, here's the thing. When we read this, it's hard for us to really sense the whole feeling of despair that this was create would create. But you got to think about how long this has been since all of this has been going on with the nation of Israel. So there's this real sense of hopelessness. And also, in those days, whenever the walls of your city were broken down, Well, the walls of the city, I mean, they were like your primary means of protection and security. So if your walls weren't strong and your gates weren't secure, then you're constantly exposed to danger. And you lived in constant fear of what might happen to you and your people. So Hananiah and all these men, they tell Nehemiah, hey, it's really bad back in Jerusalem. I mean, our people, they have been here there for like 90 years now, but we still don't have any walls up. We don't have any gates that are secured. It is a disgrace to us. It's a disgrace to God. I mean, the city is basically, they're saying, it's like we found it 90 years ago in ruins. Well, Notice what happens in verse 4. When I heard these things, this is Nehemiah speaking. So when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. He was heartbroken. Now, here's a guy who probably had never been to Jerusalem in his life. But when he heard about the condition of his people that they're living in, it breaks his heart. So much so... That he doesn't say to them, man, I I hate to hear that. I I really hope things get better soon. He doesn't say, man, you guys, what are you all going to do? Because y'all really need to do something. He he doesn't even say, hey, let me just write you a check. And and here, I I wish I could do more for you. But, uh, man, I hope this helps some. Um, Good luck with the walls. He doesn't do that. No, no, no. He sat down and wept. But notice what also he does. The last part of this verse. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So Nehemiah basically says, God, I know you keep your word. When we do what we're supposed to do, You always do what you promise and you say that you'll do. In fact, verse 6, he goes on. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. So here's what Nehemiah is doing. Starting in verse 6, he just starts by laying out saying, I can't get this off my mind. I'm praying about this day and night. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had anything that got your attention to that level that you were praying and fasting about it? It's on your mind day and night, and it's constantly in your prayers? We'll come back to that in just a moment. And then he goes on after he, he just says, God, this, this is so heavy on my heart. Then he says, God, we, we as a people, we, we deserve what we're experiencing. I mean, we deserved the 70 years of exile. We deserved to have lost our land and, and now be living in ruin. Because I, I sinned against you. My family has sinned against you. Our people, we've sinned against you. Literally, Nehemiah is saying, God, we are where we are because our choices that we made, we are reaping what we sowed. And then he goes on in verse 7. He says, we have acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. And then Nehemiah does something very interesting. He says this. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the father's horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So Nehemiah comes back to God and he says, God, while we deserve everything that we have experienced, I mean, we have been very wicked toward you. Have you ever said that to God? God, I have acted very wickedly toward you. But at the end of confessing all of that, he says, God, but don't you forget the promise that you made to us. Don't don't forget what you said to Moses when you said that if we would come back to you and we would fully commit to following you, You you said that you would give us back Jerusalem again. And don't forget that you promised that it didn't matter if we had been scattered to the father's horizons. You promised that you would gather us back together. You said you would make the impossible possible. And then he goes on in verse 10. He says, they, these people that are scattered, these people that are living in ruins, they are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty Hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. In other words, he says, God, we don't deserve, but I still believe that you care. I absolutely believe that you love us. I absolutely believe that you care. I believe that in spite of these circumstances, you still care and love about us deeply. So I'm asking you, God, to do something to solve these problems that need to be resolved. And then Nehemiah makes one final request of God. And and this is so powerful because it implies that Nehemiah is about to do something. Notice the next part. That he says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Now, don't miss the significance of this prayer and this statement right here by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Because the man that he's referring to is King Artaxerxes. Because, see, to go into the king's presence without being requested was a very dangerous thing but then Nehemiah he lets us know how successful he has been, he lets us know how powerful he is and he makes this just amazing statement and he says, God I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something and it's going to cost me greatly so give me favor in the presence of this man and then he says these words, he says I was cupbearer." To the king, which means Nehemiah was like the most trusted guy to the king. He's like way up there in the chain of command. He's high royalty at this point. So Nehemiah is living this life of success. I mean, he has got it made. I mean, you gotta think about it. He, he's made it to the top. He, he's just got this great position, and he's living in the city. That is just probably the best city of the entire land at that point in time. So he's probably got plenty of cash. He's probably got plenty of comfort. But he's about to risk all of it because of something that is disturbing him greatly. And it's a question that when we answer it, I'm telling you, it could change your life forever. You ready for the question? Here is the question. What breaks your heart? I just want you to stop and think about that for a second. What breaks your heart? Like when you walk around your neighborhood, when you catch the news and you hear what's happening in the news, when you're in the schools and you see what is happening with the students in the schools or when you hear about what is happening with the students in the schools, when you hear about what is happening overseas or when you've traveled overseas and maybe on a mission trip, when you hear about what is happening in your community that you live. What breaks your heart? What is it that breaks your heart? And here's what I can tell you. The thing that breaks your heart is the thing that you blame other people for not fixing. Don't miss that. The thing that you breaks your heart is the thing that you blame other people for not fixing. It's the politician's fault. It's the parent's fault. It's the teacher's fault. It's the neighborhood's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the pastor's fault but you don't act. You you just blame everybody else for the problem, but, but you blame everybody else to try to avoid dealing with the heartbreak that is going on inside of you. Think about this. Your answer to this question is the thing that when you are silent and still before God, you can't get away from it. You can't stop thinking about it. It is emotional to you. It, it disturbs you. It messes you up to the point that you try not to think about it. But the question is, what breaks your heart? Now, here's what we really want you to understand, is especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is this. Nehemiah's broken heart, it was by divine design. See, His heart was broken because God's heart was broken. His heart was broken for Jerusalem and the Jewish people because God's heart was broken for them. See, Nehemiah, he had no idea of what hung in the balance of his decision to lean in. To where his heart was broken, where he found himself weeping and fasting and praying. He had no idea what hung in the decision to take that action. But it was all part of God's bigger plan and all a part of God's bigger purpose. See, think about it this way. Seventy years before Nehemiah, a man by the name of Zerubbabel, he had a heart that was broken because the temple in Jerusalem, it was in shambles. And so he goes back to Jerusalem and he acted and he rebuilt the temple. And 14 years then before Nehemiah, there was a man by the name of Ezra and he was heartbroken because the people, the Jewish people, they did not know the law of God. So he went back to Jerusalem and he taught them how God wanted them to live and he taught them the law of God. And now Nehemiah shows up heartbroken over the condition of the city. And Nehemiah understood that there would be no people that would survive long-term in the city without walls and without gates. So he risks his life, and he gets permission from the king, and he goes back to rebuild the walls. And he does it in this incredible 52 days with incredible opposition. Sometime you should just sit down and read the book of Nehemiah. It is absolutely amazing what God did. But see, Nehemiah, he had no idea that his action, along with the action of people that went before him, that it was setting up something that God would do that would restore and preserve the nation of Israel for centuries, so that 444 years later, when Jesus walked into the city of Jerusalem and up the southern stairs into the temple, and he declared himself the Messiah who had come to save his people from their sin, All the work that Nehemiah and the men before them had done, it was still there. And it laid the groundwork for that declaration. See, Nehemiah's heart, it was broken by divine design. And I want you to pay attention to this. Wherever your heart is broken, it's by divine design. See, you can't ignore what breaks your heart because God has placed that burden in your heart because what he's burdening your heart with, it matters to him. So let me ask you again, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And we want you to spend this week thinking about this question. Because it is a powerful question. And and while it may not change the whole world, your answer to this question is going to change your world, and it's going to change somebody else's world. And I I know this from experience. Because about 28 years ago, what broke my heart and the heart um, of a group of people, just a small group, was that we had friends And we had family members who wanted to know God, but they wanted nothing to do with the church. We had friends who hoped God loved them and wanted a relationship with them, but but they had felt judged and isolated and excluded whenever they walked into a church. Like we had friends who didn't want anything to do with God because they had dealt with a Christian or two. And everyone who would say to us things like, hey, I just really don't care about God, we, we knew the problem wasn't God. It was the way that we Christians had made them feel. So we became brokenhearted over the thousands of people in our communities who were not in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, who did not feel welcome in a church. So we decided, as, a, as, a, as just a really small handful of people, that we would do everything that we could do to create a church people not in church love to attend. Not, we, we wanted church people to love it. So they, we wanted them to love it so much that they would invite people. And together we would create this church that people not in church would love to attend. And, and we just believed because God had broken our hearts in that way that it was possible to create a church. That people didn't believe, people weren't sure, people who had had a bad experience in the past would attend. And then actually want to come back the next week. So for now over 28 years, we've watched God just help us do that. And every now and then when we hear one of your stories or we watch a baptism video of somebody's faith journey, I just stop and think, what if we hadn't done that? What if we hadn't acted on what broke our heart? In fact, today... It's the anniversary of the day that this church was founded back in 1954. And I asked myself, what if that group of people who moved here to start this church, what was in Bethel Mennonite Church, who gave up their homes and all over the country and moved and started this church because they had a vision of reaching people for Jesus. What if they had not leaned in to what broke their heart? Because April 11th, 1954, this church was organized with 33 original members. And here we are, all these years later. And you know what still breaks my heart? That there are thousands and thousands of people in our community that do not realize how much God loves them. And they don't show up to church on a Sunday because they don't even think the church is for them. And I'm just telling you, that still breaks my heart. And I know it breaks the heart of so many of you. But listen, we are in a position, just like Nehemiah, to do something about it. And we're going to be spending these next few years really just tackling it in a whole new way. I mean, we, we just believe that God has called us to do some things different going in this next season. And, and it's just incredible how I believe that he's going to allow us to reach more people in our communities for Jesus Christ and and also be able to keep putting prevailing churches in people's hometown. In fact, the fall of 2019, we had begun the process of moving our multi-site model to include what we call a regional network of churches. And so during COVID, we made that transition. In fact, five weeks ago, we relaunched our Fairhope campus as a regional partner church, that's going to be the hub for more campuses in their area. They are now called Bay Life Church. Now, let me just tell you what you've helped do in these past five weeks through this whole relaunch of them becoming their a regional network church. They've had a hundred in these last five weeks. They've had 119 first-time guests. They've added 20 new families to their church. Last week they gave out 30 first-time gift, gifts, to um, first-time guests. And listen. You are fueling and funding that as a church. But that's not all you're doing. Wait just a second, wait just a second, wait just a second. You're also fueling and helped to fund a new church plant in Madison, Alabama. We've been working on this for about a year. This is also going to be a regional partner church. And it started about the time COVID started, which is kind of interesting. So there's been a lot going on, even though COVID has been happening. And that's going to be a hub. It's in Madison, Alabama. It's going to be a regional partner church as well. And they're going to be the hub for more campuses in their area in the future. In fact, three weeks ago, a group of their leaders were here, and they spent the weekend at our churches being trained in children's ministry by a children's ministry team. And so they are now called Rally Church. And they are part of this new multi-site model of regional partners. And um, listen, God is doing amazing things through Philip Thurman and his team. It's, it's going to be just absolutely amazing for you to hear the stories. And you're helping to fuel and fund this as well. Now, many of you, you know our friend, you love our friend Gerald Fadanami, Right? And as you heard two weeks ago, that he's planning a new church called Hometown or Home Church in Roswell, Georgia. This is um, his logo for his church. And so we've been working with Gerald over these past six to nine months. Coaching him in this process and helping work on the process of developing that. I've helped him create his budget, all those things. And here's the cool part. You are also helping to fund and fuel his launch. In fact, you're paying most of his salary this year um, so that he can step out and do that. And so just want to thank you as a church. In fact, they had their first gathering Good Friday. They had over 200 people to show up for that. And they have 63 people signed up for their first serve day on April 18th. And they already have a baptism scheduled for their May gathering. So that's what you're doing as a church. Yes. Yeah. So while COVID looked like it shut the church down, we've been mashing the gas behind the scenes, So we were ready to go. Just so you're saying. Okay. Now, I don't want you to miss this. While we have reset our multi-site strategy to include regional partner churches, what this regional partnership has done is it's opened the path for us as a church to impact many more church plants than if we had just stayed with the traditional model of church. But here's the thing. While we're going to continue, I believe, to impact thousands of people's lives regionally, we are not, and this is my heart as a pastor, and this is the thing that's kind of helped shift this whole thing, we are not and we cannot forget about the thousands of people right here in our own community. Because I have felt since the day that I began to pastor Rivertown Community Church, what was Bethel Mennonite Church back then, that I grew up in this region, in this area, because God wanted me to help reach this area for Jesus Christ. And so that's been my commitment. It's been my priority. It's why I've given my whole life to ministering in Liberty, Calhoun, Jackson, and Washington, and Holmes County. I'm like, this is, this is where God has called me to plant. So what this new model of launching regional partner churches, what it does is it helps us to have a greater focus on the people right here in our communities that don't know God because my leadership and our staff team is freed up to focus specifically on this region and on this church. And so um, I'm excited about this whole new season of how I believe God is going to help us just continue to reach more people in our communities and also impact this whole region now. Here's what I know about you. As I'm talking about this, you have friends just like I do. You have family members just like I do who don't have a relationship with God. And, and part of the reason is because they don't realize how much God wants to have a relationship with them. Whether it's because no one ever explained it to them or because they, they grew up in a church or around a church that made it difficult for people to understand that God really loves them, so they don't believe that they have a Father in heaven who really cares about them and is for them. So our job, in fact, I believe the reason God has us here as a church is is to make it simple for them to connect with God. Because here's what I know. You are for your friends because you know what God's grace in their life would do for them. But here's the thing. They won't know if we don't continue to go and show them that God cares for them in our communities. So we're always looking for steps to just continue to increase our impact. And as I shared with you a few weeks ago, we've been given the opportunity to purchase the land and expand our impact in the Chipley Chipley area. And so after much prayer and after much conversation and with some negotiation going on, we really believe it's the right thing to move forward with the purchase of the Chipley property. So, um, Chipley, let me just tell you part of why this is important. Chipley's really kind of out of space. So, let me just tell you, last Sunday, if you've ever been to our Chipley campus, it has 120 seats in the auditorium. Well, guess what? Last Sunday, Chipley had 256 people, Okay. They had 61 children packed in five rooms downstairs, okay, in their basement, in their children's area. They, they have no more room. And that's kind of what's keep, keeping them from continuing to have greater impact in their area. And so what this purchase will do, it'll help them reach twice as many people are, um, I think more than twice as many people as, as what they're reaching right now. And so I think it's going to have a huge impact. So what we're doing this month is we're launching a giving campaign. And I'm asking you to consider participating that so that we can raise $500,000 by the end of the year and own this property with no debt. Because we've negotiated a deal for this property just a little bit over um, $500,000. It's, it's 10 acres, and uh, this is kind of give you a picture of what's, what it looks like. This is a back shot of kind of what the 10 acres of property and the 10 acres are. We'll end up having to clear out some of this property, to put another building on there, and put parking spots in there. Um, and you go, why are we doing this now? because we believe that we still are a church full of people whose hearts still break for those in our communities that are far from God. And what this also do is allow us to own all of our properties and it just creates a really solid foundation for the future. So what we're asking you to do right now, well we want you to ask God what he wants you to give above and beyond what your regular giving is between now and December the 31st. See I just thought it was a good time while you're praying to God about what breaks your heart as an individual, also to be praying to God about what breaks our heart as a church. Be praying for God to show your part in the funding of this land and, and building for the Chipley campus. Because here's the thing. I, I just think this, this amazing opportunity. Let me just tell you something. Um, if you look at your giving from last week on your inside your worship guide on the back of your talk notes, you understand that you guys gave almost $100,000 last week and nobody gave a really big offering. It was just everybody coming together. So, like... Um, I don't even think this $500,000 is going to be like a challenge. You guys gave $95,000 last week, and um, that was absolutely amazing. So thank you for being such an incredibly generous church. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. But here, here's my thing. Just like Nehemiah and the Jewish people, for us to continue to reach more people in our community is going to require sacrifice in our lives to make progress, and to continue to have impact. And just like Nehemiah, uh, we want to be willing to act, so we have to give our time and our money and our talents to do something bigger than ourselves. So if you're a follower of Jesus, and man, you love the lost people in our communities, but you've kind of been making excuses instead of taking action, let, let me just kind of remind you of something. When God's heart, when God's heart was broken, he acted in love. He, he didn't like just feel sorry for us. He came and he saved us. And everywhere he went, Like, people were better because Jesus' love compelled him to act, and therefore, it impacted their lives. Listen, if the first 20-something years of me pastoring this, or this 20-something years of me pastoring this church proves anything, here's what it's proved to me. When a group of people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, and they really love Jesus, and they really go out and they love like Jesus, then people find Jesus irresistible. But I'm telling you, it cannot happen Unless we open up our, our hearts and, and say, okay, God, I'm willing to sacrifice and willing to build the walls. And let me just go ahead and say something. Anytime I talk about money like this, I always do it with a lot of caution. Because if you're here and you're a first-time guest or you've just been coming back for a couple weeks and, and um, you're just trying to trust a church again. And you say, oh, listen, they're just asking for money. This is why I don't do church. Listen, if you're a first-time guest or if you're just trying to find, trust the church again, don't even worry about giving to this whole process. We, we don't want your money. This is for those of us who call RCC our church family. We, we don't want you to ever walk out of RCC saying, I'm not part of that church because they want my money. No, we don't want your money. God supplies the needs that we have. What we want you to do is fall in love with Jesus. But for those of you that have fallen in love with Jesus and this church has impacted your life in a big way, and you want to help it impact other people, this this is for you. So over the next few weeks, here's, here's what we hope that you discover, is that purpose is found through giving your life to something bigger than and beyond you. See, when you act on what breaks your heart, I'm telling you, folks, you begin to experience purpose and significance in ways that you never imagined. You begin to discover what God has put you on this earth to do, and part of that is an individual thing, and part of that is a body of Christ thing. See, when you begin to understand that, you just begin to realize, man, life gets bigger and it gets better as you give your life away. In fact, you realize that your life gets richer in blessings from God, and it becomes more meaningful when you invest your life in serving other people. So we don't want you to miss that. We want you to experience that. See, you were created to live a life that impacted this world in a great way, but you've got to answer the question, what breaks your heart? See, we don't want you to miss experiencing what God created you to live and and saying, hey, listen, I created you to experience this, but you can't do it because you've been too inward-focused too long. So living an average life, which is an inward-focused life, it's never going to bring any meaning or significance to you. We don't want you to waste your one and only life. So for this week... We want you to start by focusing on this simple but life-changing question, and that is this. What breaks your heart? Spend some time this week praying about this, thinking about this. What is the answer going to be? You're probably not going to find the answer till we finish this series. And then also be praying about what breaks our heart as a church. How would God have you, not only as an individual, begin to discover how you can live a life that he's meant you to live, but then as a church, how we can fulfill his purpose as we fund and purchase this per- property in Chipley. So on April the 25th, which is three weeks from now, we're going to take up a special offering because some of you are going to want to give a one-time gift or some of you are going to want to start giving to that. And part of that offering, though, some of you say, man, I'm not going to be ready to give for months. That's okay because just part of that offering is going to be you just sharing Um, what you're going to be giving between now and the end of the year toward this. And you don't even have to put your name on it. We're not doing a pledge drive or anything like that. All we're doing is we just want to know how the money is going to come in toward the purchase of this land so that we know how to process through this moving forward. So, um, like I said, I don't even think it's going to be a real problem for us because last week you guys gave almost $100,000. And so um, when we all come together and give a little, it's amazing how much it makes. So as you pray... I want you to imagine what it would look like to act and to risk and to give for what breaks our heart as a church. But then I want you to imagine what it would be to act and to risk and to give for what God is putting in your heart that breaks your heart. Listen, the answer to that question and your decision to act, I'm telling you God is going to use you in ways that you never, ever imagined to help other people know him. Because when you act on this question, You're always gonna point people to Jesus and that's what we exist for, to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for um, your incredible love to us and I just ask this morning that we do not hurry away from this question because God, for some of us, We know the answer to the question. There's been something breaking our hearts for years now. For some of us, for months. For others of us, God, we want to know what is breaking our heart so that we know what you're calling us to do. And so, God, no matter where we fall on the spectrum, I just ask that you will help us to prayerfully and purposefully Consider this question this week, as an individual saying, "God, what is it that you've placed such a burden in my heart?" It's there by divine design. And then, God, as a church, with an opportunity to purchase ten acres and a building for the for the price that we're getting it, it's just an incredible opportunity. And I just pray that you'll help us to lean in as, into that as well and say, God, how, how do you want me to be a part of that? God, I, I'm just convinced that you want to do more in our lives and through our lives than any of us can imagine. So help us to lean in. Help us to lean in until our heart is broken so fully that we'll give our lives and all of our commitment and all of our being to fulfilling what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us this week. I can't wait for you to hear next week's talk. Um, I'm more excited about it than this week's. I think it's going to be life-changing and a whole nother level. We'll see you next Sunday.